1: What's up everybody? Good morning. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this Wednesday morning in November. We got a great show scheduled for today. We're going to be joined by Kayla Santiago later today to talk a little bit of Sixers. Tough loss for the Sixers last night in their NBA Cup game against the Indiana Pacers, but they come right back tonight. Big game against the Boston Celtics. So we'll bring on Kayla If you guys remember her from last week, she does a really good job covering the 76ers. So we'll have Kayla join us at around 1020 today. I want to continue to break down this Philadelphia Eagles game leading up to Monday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. And then some big NFL news we have to talk about a little bit earlier this morning. The Cleveland Browns announced that Sean Watson is out for the season. That came as a shocker to a lot of people. So we'll talk about that as well. Well, let's get a little roll call from my Power Hour crew. I see some of you in the chat already. Bowner Johnson, appreciate the kind words. M. Reyes in the house. Vince Engelking is here. Wine Niners Wine. My man, how are you? MC, a killer ferret, Philly 007. And some of you guys, I know Wine Niners Wine was there this morning, may have seen me on the Farzi show this morning. Mark Farzetta has his show every day from 6 to 7, so made a little appearance on the Farsi show and we'll have Farzy tomorrow for our Thursdays with Farsi. Talk a little Sixers and Eagles with him as well. Bill Ray checking in. Awful trade and awful contract to Deshaun Watson. Thunderbird in the house. Spa City Chop in the house on the Power Hour. Really appreciate all you guys here. Go ahead and hit that like button for me. Hit that share button. And just a reminder, guys, if you're not already following me on Instagram or Twitter, head on over at Legal Hands to the Face, at Bill Calarulo, and give me a follow, engage with me, comment. Like I said to you yesterday, send me some DMs. Let me know some things you want to talk about on the show, and I will happily oblige. So appreciate all you guys here in the house. But let's first, before we get into the 76ers, which we'll talk about, let's talk about the big news coming out of Cleveland this morning, Deshaun Watson out for the season. And this one was interesting because a lot of times you hear some rumblings after the game, you know, that he's battling something. I mean, we knew he had the ankle, but that's not what the announcement was about. It's about his shoulder, which is just crazy. No one really knew that this was an issue, that it could be a season-ending injury. But you talk about that contract, and I see Bill Ray in the chat talking about that contract. five years. $230 $230 million deal, and every single penny of it was guaranteed. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. But look, Deshaun Watson started the ball a little bit on Sunday, and it looked like the race in the AFC North was going to be a fun one going down the stretch. You have the Baltimore Ravens at 7-3. and three. They just blew that lead. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers at 6-3, and three, the Cleveland Browns at 6-3, and three, the Bengals, surprisingly, in the basement of the AFC North at 5-4. and four. It looked like that was going to be an interesting finish. It still will be. It's just I can't imagine that the Cleveland Browns are going to be in that mix at all. But, you know, you take a look around the NFL, and this is why the NFL goes through such crazy measures to try to keep these quarterbacks healthy. Because we've all seen what happens when the starting quarterback goes down and you don't have a solid backup. Nick Foles isn't on every single team in the NFL or has the ability to step in like he did in 2017. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL that are even starters, let alone backups. So the NFL takes all these measures to try to keep these guys healthy because the product on the field sucks when you don't have a good quarterback. And we talked a little bit about it yesterday, about how I don't care how good of a coach you are, it's almost impossible to have sustained success in the NFL without a good quarterback. And you look at all of the quarterbacks who have been hurt this season already. Aaron Rodgers. Goes down, what, four snaps in to his Jets career? And it's still amazing to me that Rodgers is pushing to come back, man. If he comes back this season, that would be remarkable. And it's a shame that Zach Wilson is just so bad, in my opinion. Because they may not be in playoff contention, which would make it pointless for Aaron Rodgers to come back. So that's the only reason I'm kind of rooting for the Jets. I just want to see, can he come back? But again, see you guys in the chat. The Blonde Boy, thanks for checking in. Jason A-Team, what's good with you? I'm feeling great today. Brian Davis in the house. Supernova Universe. If we traded for Russell Wilson, imagine that. Yeah, obviously the reports came out that the Eagles – we're interested in making that trade for Russell Wilson. Sometimes you get lucky, whether or not it was luck or not. Thank God we're sitting here with Jalen Hurts, because I want to talk about Jalen Hurts in a second. But continuing to look around the NFL, and good morning, Jim G. I see you, man. But continuing to look around the NFL, you had Aaron Rodgers go down this year. Kirk Cousins go down this year. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Justin Fields has missed games. Matthew Stafford has missed games. Kyler Murray, because of his injury last year, has missed games. He's finally back. It's crazy, all the injuries we've seen at the quarterback position, and it really waters down the product that the NFL can put on the field. And that's why they take such measures to keep these guys healthy. But you mentioned Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and I see Wine Niners' wine that I should mention Farzi's black and white video of the Sixers game. He was spot on with how horrible that court was. I'm going to talk about it, Wine Niners' wine, because man, that court was rough. I want to ask Kayla Santiago her opinion as well, but that court was rough. But I want to talk about Jalen Hurts a little bit in the next segment because I do want to switch to the Sixers. But you just look around the NFC, and this is why I think the Philadelphia Eagles have to be the favorite, to come out of the NFC and go to the Super Bowl because you look up and down the rosters of the quarterbacks in the NFC, and I don't think there is a quarterback even close. I said it over the summer. In fact, I did a video about this over the summer saying that Jalen Hurts was the only elite quarterback in the NFC, and I had everybody commenting underneath. He's not elite. He's only done it for one season. Stop with this elite talk. What a joke. Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback. And I think we've now seen it for enough games where we are not being homers by saying Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback. And in fact, Jalen Hurts is now the favorite to win the MVP in the NFL. And let's just take a quick look and then we'll switch over to some Sixers talk. But let's take a quick look at the other quarterbacks in the NFC, and you tell me, who is even close to Jalen Hurts? Who even makes you a a little nervous if you have to face them in the playoffs? You got, we'll start in the NFC North. You got Jared Goff for the Detroit Lions. Honestly, he may be the best quarterback in the NFC right now outside of Jalen Hurts. I think Jared Goff doesn't get enough credit. I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. I said that in the offseason as well. But he's not an elite quarterback. He's not on Jalen Hurts' level. Then you have Josh Dobbs in Minnesota playing well, not elite. Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers. Justin Fields for the Chicago Bears. And let's go back. You remember in the offseason when everybody was talking about Justin Fields And he was going to take that Hurts-like leap this season. He was going to compete for the MVP. Stop. He's not on Jalen Hurts' level either. Then go to the NFC South. You got Derek Carr or Jameis Winston in New Orleans, not elite. Baker Mayfield, not elite. Desmond Ritter or Heineke in Atlanta, not elite. Bryce Young for the Carolina Panthers. He's a rookie. Maybe he gets there. Doesn't look doesn't look great this season, but maybe he gets there. But he's not there yet. Then you go to the NFC West. Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Look, he's playing well. Not elite. Not elite. And if we have any Niners fans in the house, let me hear you try to defend Brock Purdy as being an elite quarterback because he's not. Geno Smith. Decent quarterback, not elite. Matt Stafford, not elite anymore. And then you got Kyler Murray in Arizona, not elite. So that leaves you with the NFC East. DeVito's not an elite quarterback. Even Daniel Jones when he was healthy, not an elite quarterback. You got Sam Howell in Washington. Hey, Sam Howell surprised me this season. He surprised me a lot this season. (laughs) I got Bowner Johnson saying Sam Howell looks better than Hurts when he's playing against the Eagles' D. Hey, Sam Howell's done that against a lot of defenses this season. Sam Howell's having a pretty good damn year, which is crazy to me. I did not see that coming, but it looks like Sam Howell could be a very good quarterback in this league. But again, not elite. And then let's go to the Dallas Cowboys, them boys. Unless Dak Prescott changes who he is, he's not an elite quarterback when the games matter most in the playoffs. So you look up and down the NFC, and I don't see a quarterback in the NFC that is even close to Jalen Hurts' level. And I want to hear what you guys think in the chat. Is there any quarterback in the NFC that has you concerned that they could come in here? Let's assume the Philadelphia Eagles get the number one seed. I know there's a lot of work to do there. And we can talk about that more next segment. I know there's a lot to do there. But let's assume the Eagles get the number one seed again. And any one of these NFC teams needs to come into Lincoln Financial Field in January. Do any of these quarterbacks scare you? Do any of these quarterbacks lead you to believe that they're on Jalen Hurts' level? I see Andrew Dirk not scared of any NFC quarterback. Me either, man. Me either. Bill Ray, I think Kyler Murray can be elite. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. Look, I know he has the athletic ability. I don't think he has that other factor. I don't think he has that Leadership factor, that drive. Look, any quarterback that needs it put into his contract to study film for a certain amount of time per week, in my opinion, will never be elite. You hear stories about Jalen Hurts and some of these other elite quarterbacks getting to the team facilities so early that they're there before the coaching staff. Kyler Murray, they had to put in his contract that he would do enough film study leading up to game day. To me, that's not an elite quarterback. Eagles fan, Hal is better than Purdy. I don't disagree. Look, Purdy runs a good system in San Francisco. Purdy is a lot better than I thought he would be. I don't think he is an elite quarterback. I think he can win games. I think he can win football games. We've seen it. That's not a hot take. He has won football games. But he doesn't scare me. If it came down to Brock Purdy having to win that game for the 49ers, I'll put my money on the Eagles. The real RMP makes a good point. The only team that worries me in the NFL is which Eagles team is going to show up. The only thing I would say to that real MP is this Eagles team keeps winning games, brother. I know we keep talking about they need to improve this area. They need to improve that area. They keep winning football games at an insane rate. And I'll give you guys, when we talk in the next segment and we start to preview this, I want to give you some stats, not only from Jalen Hurts, but Nick Sirianni and some of the things that they have done over the last two years. The company they're in is pretty impressive. Jason A-Team, seen Kyler Murray at times be elite. He's just not consistent. And that's because he relies on his athletic ability as a quarterback. He's not studying film. He's not reading defenses as well as these elite quarterbacks do it because he just doesn't put in the time. Like I said, you have to put that in his contract. You're not an elite quarterback. I see Philly 007 saying, Josh Dobbs scares me more than Geno Smith and Jared Goff. You're not wrong. Look, the small sample size we've seen of Josh Dobbs, and it's hard because he's on a different team every every few games. It's like this guy keeps bouncing off teams. He's with the Titans. He's with the Cardinals. He's with the Vikings. But he's got talent. He has talent. But we'll see, can he sustain that level of play? Bounder-Johnson looks like he agrees with me that Goff is the closest of the top NFC quarterbacks. That's my opinion. Shakur M., Bill, Jalen is definitely trending up into elite status. You know, I don't think you could even say he's trending there anymore. This guy has done it now, winning 25 out of 27 regular season games, guys. I mean, what else do we need to see? Yes, we need to see Super Bowls. I agree you got to win Super Bowls. But what else do we need to see from Jalen Hurts before we could say, yeah, this guy is an elite quarterback. This is now two seasons in a row. We've seen him in the MVP conversation. And he's now the favorite. We talked about the odds yesterday. Yesterday he was behind Patrick Mahomes. Woke up this morning, they adjusted the odds. Jalen Hurts is now the favorite to win the MVP in the NFL. And you know if he would have stayed healthy last year, he probably would have won it last year. What else we got in the chat from you guys? Philly 007, Dak Prescott. If we have to play them in the playoffs, he's not elite, but he's damn good when he plays us. He has been. and, And say what you will about Dak Prescott, I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't think he comes up big in big moments, but his record against the NFC East has been impressive. It's not just against the Eagles. He's done it to the Giants. He's done it to the Commanders. He's been very good against the NFC East. Jim G, Bill, imagine if you said two years ago that Jalen Hurts was going to be the top NFC quarterback and top five overall quarterback in 2023. I'll tell you this, Jim G. I didn't say he was going to be the top quarterback, but I have a video, and I'll have to probably share that again. During Jalen Hurts' first season with the Eagles, where I talked about how high I was on Jalen Hurts, and not only his ability as a quarterback, but his ability as a leader, and that I was really excited for the future with Jalen Hurts' as quarterback. I was a big fan of Jalen very early on, very early on. What else we got here? Bill Ray, Josh Dobbs would be the type of quarterback that comes in and beats the Eagles. Yeah, we've seen that happen a couple times. What else we got? Looking to see what else you guys are talking about. Wine Niners Wine makes an interesting point. Marino didn't win Super Bowls. That's true, and I do think everybody would agree Dan Marino was elite. But let's not hope, or let's hope, That we're not talking about Jalen Hurts as being an elite quarterback that's never won a Super Bowl. Let's hope he delivers us multiple rings, but I'll take one this year. I'll take one this year. And the best thing about Jalen Hurts is all the other accolades MVP conversation, elite quarterback conversation, stats, touchdowns. All that guy wants is a ring, man. All that guy wants is a ring. But we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk a little bit about the 76ers who dropped their NBA Cup game last night. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be joined by Kayla Santiago to talk a little bit about our Philadelphia 76ers. Stay tuned, guys. up everybody welcome back into the philly sports power hour we're now joined by kayla santiago you guys may rec- recognize kayla she does the game day shows here on the jacob sports network with me for the philadelphia eagles but we had her on last week she really knows her 76ers and i wanted to bring her on to talk a little bit of sixers today what's up kayla how you doing
3: I'm good. Uh, not happy that the Sixers lost last night. But, you know, I figured uh, L was coming in there somewhat because they've been on a really good roll so far with the current team that they have.
1: Yeah, would well, they win eight straight games. So we knew a loss was probably coming. It's unfortunate it happened in the NBA Cup game, which we'll talk about in a second. But before we get into the team, before we get into that game last night, I need your opinion about that court last night. What would you think of that court?
3: It's... Awful, in my opinion. I can't stand it. First off, it's not really even the Sixers' colors because they didn't wear navy blue until this year in their new city unis, and I think that's why they did it. I don't like looking at it. I'm not a huge fan of the in season tournament either. I understand why the NBA does it because it's probably a moneymaker. You're going to have more people watching. More players are actually going to want to play in them because it's for money. So they're going to want to play. It's going to make the games more competitive. But not a fan of the court. I'd rather have the court that's normal at the Wells Fargo Center don't like it too much. I think there's other cool courts around the league, just not Philadelphia. It's not my favorite.
1: It was tough to watch it on the TV. I mean, I got a huge TV too. I, I need my big screen and I'm watching it. It was it hurt my eyes. It really did. And I said to my fiance, I'm like, you know, they had to test this out. Like who tested this, this out on a TV screen and thought, yeah, that looks good. Cause it hurt the eyes. Did you see what Farzi did for Farzi changed his tv to black and white
3: i saw that a lot of people said it's like almost nba 2k ish which i don't really love either because these are real guys actually playing this game and to me it's almost like sometimes you can't tell where they are because the jerseys kind of blend in with the navy blue on the outside so it's not my favorite i know why the nba did it i don't really love the in-season tournament as a whole the court definitely don't like it either (laughs)
1: Yeah, let's just talk briefly about this NBA Cup because I, I said it yesterday on the show. think like, what do we do if the Sixers actually win this thing? Do do we storm Broad Street? Do we go to City Hall and celebrate? You know what, what? What do we do if they win the NBA Cup? That's my biggest fear. They win the NBA Cup. You got right. Joe Embiid holding up the trophy. He's the MVP, and now we think we actually won something.
3: I hope that's not the case because I'm tired of getting bounced out of the second round. And, you know, last year, Joel got his MVP. I think he was satisfied. I think this year to take it up another notch, but for this in season tournament, I mean, I think it'd be cool for them to win, but I don't see a team like the Sixers actually winning this thing. And I only say that because Joel Embiid's going to need his rest at some points. And I think that's why they did this. They started to go back on load management. They said they actually need a reason now for these guys to sit out, but for the teams that want to save, they're stars for the playoffs, I don't think they're going to compete as hard. I think it's going to be other teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder that are really going to surprise a lot of people and those younger guys that have a lot of longevity left in their careers that they don't have to worry about being a little bit injury-prone.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we talk about load management. There were reports yesterday leading up to the game that Joel Embiid was questionable with left hip soreness. Mm -hmm. And I said on the show yesterday, well, now I guess we'll see how big of a deal the NBA cup is to the Sixers, because I think in a normal game, you may have seen him get rested last night, but they played Joel Embiid. Do you think it was because of the NBA cup? Or do you think it was because it was a big game for the Eastern conference?
3: I don't think it was necessarily a big game because you look at their schedule and they've got Boston next. So this would be the perfect game to sit Joel Embiid out of, but I definitely think that, you know, this is a big deal, not only probably to the Sixers, but I wonder what the front office is saying to these guys, too. Like, this would be a good look for the organization if we weren't in the first in-season tournament. And that's the only reason why I don't like it, because we looked at the NBA playoffs last year. So many injuries. Giannis got injured. Joel Embiid got injured. Jimmy Butler was a little bit banged up. And that definitely hurt a lot of teams during their playoff runs. I think something like this is only going to make it worse. They already talked about it being such a long regular season, and now you're putting this factor into it where players are going to want to play because it's for money, it's to win something, it's going to be more competitive, which is great for viewers, don't get me wrong, because I know a lot of people can't stand a long NBA season, but at the same time, just the injury part of the game. I mean, these guys, day after day, they're putting their bodies on the line, and when you have something like this that turns it up a notch, It definitely isn't in my favor just because of the injury standpoint. So I hope that's not the reason the Sixers played him because I definitely think an in-season tournament game is less important than a game that you have coming up against the Boston Celtics in Boston.
1: And, And I see you guys in the chat, Shakur, saying, Bill has to have Kayla on every week. Love her insights. Well, that's what we're hoping. We're hoping Kayla Santiago is going to join us every Wednesday to talk a little 76ers. So if you like Kayla, you like her insights, go ahead and hit that like button for us and keep engaging in the chat. But you mentioned a big game tonight against the Boston Celtics, and before we talk about last night's game, is there any word that Embiid would sit? It is a back-to-back game, but it's such a huge night. I'm assuming Joel Embiid's in the lineup tonight.
3: Yeah, There hasn't been anything reported right now. I'm sure there's going to be some reports that he's questionable just based on the injury report from last night. I honestly think that's what they're going to have to start doing just because the NBA is really cracking down on the load management rule. But at the same time, I mean, he looked okay yesterday. He had a double-double once again. He's playing out of his mind right now. So I don't think that he sits out of this contest. I think it's too big of a one and he's going to want to play. Now, I want to be surprised after this game that they decide to rest him. But it's tough. You look at the stretch right now and you say, okay, he could have sat Sunday against the Pacers at home, not an in-season tournament game, the last night in-season tournament game, but it was the Indiana Pacers. Now you look at this Boston game, you're down Kelly Oubre, of course, and then you look at you're down Joel Embiid. That will not be a good night for Philadelphia if he does not play.
1: Yeah, and we don't know if Batum's back in the lineup. He missed last night for personal reasons, right. but we'll see about that. But you mentioned Sunday. And we know Tyrese Maxey went off for 50 points and Kayla Santiago was in the building. What'd you think of that game with Tyrese putting 50 on the board?
3: Listen, I don't get to go to many games where I can actually just sit and watch. So it was really, really cool for me to be able to see that happen. And a lot of it happened in the second half. So my seats were about, you know, the first level and Tyrese Maxey was basically coming this way and just on fire. This kid, it's the real deal, and we talked about this last week, and this is what I said. He needs to play at an all-star level this year for the Sixers to get where they want to get, and that's past the second round. Right now, we are seeing it. They just put out the MVP race, and Tyrese Max is in the top five at the moment. It's wow. early in the season, so I don't really think that's going to play out how he probably wants it to, but that's the level that he's playing on right now, and that's the piece that the Sixers needed. Actually, I think having James Harden last year – Really helped Tyrese Maxi, and I'm glad that he's off the team. But the way that Tyrese does that little step back three, the way his confidence has grown in his shooting game, I think that's a big thanks to James Harden. And Tyrese even said that. I'm glad that Harden's not here anymore, but I definitely think it had some benefits. And this is the year that Tyrese is going to turn it up a notch, and that's exactly what Philadelphia needs.
1: And talking about James Harden, does it make you a little happy they're 0 6 since Harden joined the Clippers? (laughs)
3: I think it's so funny that every Philadelphia media outlet, every single time the Clippers lose, Harden's 0-6, Harden's 0-5. The Clippers haven't won since Harden's been on the team. But I absolutely love it because this guy leaves and he complains that he's not a system and all this stuff. James Harden, you're not on the Houston Rockets anymore. This is not ever going to be your team. You joined a squad that has Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. In what world do you think the system is going to run? Through James Harden out of the rest of those names. I'm very glad it's going to happen. I didn't think it was going to work. Good riddance. I know everybody said when Jimmy Butler was on the Sixers, he's a cancer to the locker room. I still wish we had Jimmy buckets. James Harden, yeah. I do think is a cancer to the locker room, though.
1: Yeah, Jimmy Butler, I liked him on this team, and I think Embiid liked him, too. It maybe could have worked out, but, hey, we got a good team now. Maxie puts up 50 on Sunday. You knew coming into last night's game – that the Pacers were going to game plan differently against Tyrese Maxey. He didn't start off great last night, but he ends up finishing with 27 points. Not a bad game. But what do you think went wrong last night in that game?
3: I just think that the Pacers shot a lot better. I think Tyrese Halliburton, there was a stat in the last two games against Philadelphia, 32 assists, 32 assists. No turnovers, which is absolutely insane when you talk about this day in the NBA. I think they just were really able to make it work. The Sixers looked a little slow, especially coming out of timeouts. I just think they were gassed, in my opinion, after Sunday and after Joel Embiid. If the left hip soreness is true, being a little bit banged up as well. Nick Batum not in there either. Of course, you don't have Kelly Oubre at this point right now in your season. You had a lot of different guys that were in either 100% or just not in your lineup. I think that's why. And listen, Nick Batum, I know a lot of people when he came in, there was rumors about his wife not wanting him to be in Philadelphia. He's a really exciting piece to have on this team, especially when Kelly Oubre is able to come back into this lineup. He can shoot. He can do a lot of different things. I think he's a really good perimeter piece. And they missed him last night, and you can definitely tell. He's not a star guy, but he's a role player that you definitely want in your lineup, and it showed last night.
1: Switching gears for one second, because I'm looking at the chat, and I see Bowner Johnson saying he gave up when the Sixers lost Jimmy Butler. And if they kept Jimmy Butler, they would have a championship at this point. What's Kayla Santiago's opinion? We'll never know, but would the Sixers have won a championship if they re-signed Jimmy Butler? 100%
3: 100% and I say this every single day I still have my Jimmy Buckets jersey in my closet that I want to wear all the time I think he was a fantastic piece in Philadelphia not only was he everything that Philly stands for this dude in the lasting seconds of a game seven is going to be diving on the floor doing the little things you saw him in the bubble against the Lakers literally that picture where he's hunched over because he was carrying his team on his back that's the guy that Jimmy Butler is and that's exactly what Joel needs be needed as a co-star and looked at Ben Simmons not really having a good time with Joel Embiid in the playoffs you look at James Harden two years ago two points two points in the game seven where Joel Embiid had 35 that's just unacceptable that wouldn't have happened if it was Jimmy Butler and also, Butler made Joel beat a lot better. He gave him that confidence. He was in his ear consistently saying, listen, if you go out there and dominate, you will be the best player on that court. You can't pick and choose anymore. You need to dominate every single night. I think they had a brotherhood that wouldn't have been stopped. And I also think that duo would have been really, really tough to beat. Just the toughness, just the tenacity of Jimmy Butler and what he can really bring. So I say it all the time. They would have won. And I still will love Jimmy Butler back, if I'm going to be honest.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And I see a New Jersey fishing maniac in the chat. Thanks for checking in, brother. But a guy who did play well last night, and I was happy to see it because I thought he's had some up and down games to start the year, was De'Anthony Melton. How impressed were you about De'Anthony's game last night?
3: You know, I... Knew what D'Anthony Melton could do. Last year, for example, I went to a Net Sixers game and D'Anthony Melton went off. And I said, okay, this guy is a really, really good piece for the Sixers. He's a little bit inconsistent, but I think he's had to play a lot of different roles. You look at this guy, sometimes he's in the starting lineup, sometimes he's coming off the bench. Just to see him all smiles and to really get going yesterday, looking at the stat sheet that he was the second leading scorer at some point in the game as well. I was really happy for D'Anthony Melton. I think that he's a good role player. And once again, you know, thoughts and prayers to Kelly Oubre right now. But when he comes back and you have a guy like De'Anthony Melton that's starting to get hot, even if he's coming off the bench, that's a huge bench piece right there. You got Pat Bev and De'Anthony Melton coming off your bench to kind of mix around with your other starters. They're really deep, probably the deepest they've ever been since I've been able to watch the Sixers since they've been in this process era. So I think it's a really cool thing to be able to see to get him going. And he can have big games like that. And if you're Nick Nurse and I say, listen – I get Tyrese Maxey's your second star. But if Melton's having himself a night, give it to Melton, too, because this guy can shoot into a lot of different things.
1: So you talked about that depth, and they do have a lot of depth. But I know there's a piece that Kayla Santiago would love if the Sixers could add. And there's some rumors that Zach Levine is available. I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Would you make the move for Zach Levine if you're the 76ers?
3: I think you have to, but I also think it depends what they want and what you're willing to give up. Now, I would love a media switch of Zach Levine and Tobias Harris. I think that would be perfect. Is that going to happen? Probably not unless the Bulls are saying, listen, we don't really got a team right now. I know DeMar DeRozan also said he just spoke out that he doesn't really want to be on the Bulls and he doesn't know if he's going to sign a contract extension with them. So who knows what's going on over there in Chicago as well. But you look at a guy like Zach Levine, he is the perfect fit for Philadelphia. The only issue with that is I don't necessarily want to give up the depth that the Sixers have right now. It's something they haven't had in years and has really hurt them in the playoffs. Tyrese Maxey is that second star. Zach Levine is not going to come in and overstep Tyrese Maxey. He's going to be that third guy. He's going to be what Tobias Harris is supposed to be. But at the same time, I don't think you give up too much for him. If you can give up Tobias Harris and some picks, I'm all for it. If it's anything more... I really don't know because I like Nick Batum. I like Kelly Oubre. I like the Anthony Melton. I like Pat Bev as well because I think he's the best backup point guard since Lou Williams, and I said that last week. So depending on what they have to give up in a perfect world, if it could all work out, I would love Zach Levine.
1: Well, a little bit of a change, Kayla, because you were all in on the Zach Levine talk early, but I guess yeah. now that you've seen this team, seen the depth, you're starting to come around a little bit.
3: I just think it's so important because, you know, just looking back and I watched tape, you know, of the last playoff games year after year after I went to the game on Sunday. And I said, when is the last time the Sixers had depth like this? When is the last time that Philadelphia could trust a backup point guard or trust a backup shooting guard? In recent memory, I honestly really don't know. And that's hurt them so, so much in the playoffs. And I think if Tyrese Maxey can take that leap, they're in good hands, in my opinion. You look at a team like the Milwaukee Bucks. They have pieces around them, yes, but it's David Lillard and it's Giannis. And guess what? That team doesn't have a lot of depth. You look at the Boston Celtics. I have a few friends that are Celtics fans. They said, we have no depth, and that's an issue. We have a great starting five, but after that, they can't keep up with the Philadelphia 76ers. They can't keep up with this Nick Nurse offense that has them running up and down the floor. you got to stay healthy, but at the same time, I love Zach Levine. I've always wanted him on the Sixers. If he has to give up too much, though, I think that's where Daryl Morey is really going to have to come in and negotiate.
1: I would not be upset if the Sixers said, look, we're going to sit back. And I know there's been some talk that this is their plan. Sit mm-hmm. back. Let this team continue to play together. Let them gel. And as it gets closer to the trade deadline, let's see what our needs are, if any. As long as you keep winning games, you're going to be in the playoff conversation. You know, it's not that hard to make the playoffs in the NBA. So – That's what I'd like to see them do. Instead of giving up too many pieces, like you said, let them continue to play. Let them to keep gelling, and let's see what do we need, and you never know who becomes available near the trade deadline.
3: Yeah, and I completely agree with that because I think there's other pieces that you can get if you're the Sixers. Probably have to have them on your bench. Now, do I think the Sixers are going to be the same right now as they are during the trade deadline? Probably not, just because there's going to be a lot of other teams making moves, and you kind of need to match that almost If the Celtics make a big move, if any other team, if the Miami Heat also make a big move, you're going to have to be able to get pieces in that can really compete in the Eastern Conference. And honestly, I'm not even worried about the West right now. I'm worried about this Eastern Conference. you got these teams that you are going to have to compete against in the playoffs. You look at the Sixers last year. You're competing against the Boston Celtics in the second round. That's an Eastern Conference finals matchup. That's not a second-round matchup, but that's just how talented and competitive The teams are in the Eastern Conference, so you have to be ready to have the right pieces to compete in the second round like it would be the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think if there's other movement, and if we see a lot of other movement between the Bucs, the Celtics, and the Heat, then I really see Daryl Murray pushing a lot towards that trade deadline and maybe trying to get a guy like Zach Levine in.
1: You're right. The East is deep. I'm just looking at the standings now. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks are sixth right now in the East. (laughs) It's crazy. Miami's won six in a row, but a big game tonight against the Boston Celtics. Sixers were able to win the last time these two teams played. What do you want to see tonight from the Sixers to hopefully get another victory?
3: I think, you know, a little bit of Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, that duo has been going off as of late. I think it's going to be a tough game because when you look at Kelly Oubre and what he brings to the Sixers, and it's terrible what happened to him. And, you know, he's just been having such a good season. Perimeter defense, it's there for Kelly Oubre. You look at a guy that can also shoot, that's also been really developing and coming to his own in Philadelphia, and the Sixers fans already love him. So not having him in this game, I think is going to be really tough. I'm hoping that Nick Batum is back. I would like to see him get going. A guy that I really want to see have a good game tonight, I know it might be a crazy take, a wild thought, is Robert Covington. Because – when Rocco was on the Sixers, and that feels like a really, really long time ago, the Duke could play perimeter defense and knock down some threes. His offensive game isn't where it was back then, but if he can get a good offensive stance tonight, especially off the bench, I think the Sixers are going to be in good shape. They played the Celtics tough last time out, and I think Nick Nurse is as good as coach as any in the Eastern Conference right now. I think he's the second best behind Eric Spolstra.
1: And Roko got the start last night with Batum missing the game for personal reasons. So that'd be nice to see Roko turning back the clock a little bit and having a big game for the Sixers. And real quick, before I let you run, Kayla, in the chat, Philly 007, wants your opinion on what about a guy like Malcolm Brogdon from the Trailblazers? Would you like to see him on the 76ers?
3: Oh, yeah. And that's a great point right there. I don't know how I could forget about a guy like that. Somebody that can really come off your bench and not be a step off. He can shoot, he can drive to the basket. Oh, by the way, he can also defend, and you're probably not going to have to give up as much as you would for a guy like Zach Levine. It probably could be maybe less than even a Tobias Harris. I don't know what they would have to give up, but I would love Malcolm Brogdon as a bench piece. And you look at this team right now, the one good thing that you have is Nick Nurse is your head coach. Nick Nurse can coach in the playoffs. This guy has done it. He's won an NBA championship. I get he had Kawhi Leonard, but guess what? Now he has Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. He can do it if you give him the right pieces. So I think Malcolm Brogdon would be a huge piece to come off the bench because if you can be one of the deepest teams going into the playoffs and there's no drop-off, the Sixers are going to be in good shape, and I think they can beat just about anybody.
1: Last thing for you, Kayla, because I didn't realize the new rule until last night when I saw it get called. The new flopping rule in the NBA, I love it. And what are your thoughts about that flopping rule? Because you see it so many times in the NBA where they're just – Flailing their arms and th- falling to the ground. So I really like it. Do you like the new flopping rule?
3: I do and I don't because I think it's almost like the NFL where when they implemented that pass interference rule, where they couldn't figure it out for the whole entire season, what was and what was. And I think this is going to be that type of situation as well. We also kind of have guys on the Sixers that I would say sometimes do like to flop, but there are they are fouls. That's the different thing. Like. Joel Embiid could win an Oscar out there when he gets fouled because every single time he's super dramatic. But if you look at the replay, he does get hit on the arm. So it is a foul. But do they look at the flop and say, okay, he actually can't do that? Or is it just strictly they don't get fouled at all and it's just a flop? Because Pat Bev, I could not stand playing against Pat Bev when he was not on the Sixers because all he does is flop. Now that he's on the Sixers, I think he's going to look out for that just a little bit more. So I do like it in terms if they're able to officiate it right and they get it right consistently, but I think it's a very hard rule to get consistent just because the game is so, so fast. How can you tell if, you know, it looks like a flop, but he actually did get fouled, even if it was slight, the player was just overreacting to get the call. So I think there's a little bit of in-between with that, like there was of the PI rule in the NFL. So hopefully they can get it consistent over the season, and then I don't really mind it.
1: You mentioned Joel. I love Joel, but that is one thing that has bothered me from the first game he's played in Philly is just – he has that soccer player kind of way about him where, you know, the flailing of the arms and falling to the ground and grabbing his head and playing up the injury. Like, come on, man. Don't show weakness. Get up.
3: (laughs) I know. I I think I – the falling really, like, scares me a lot of the times, but he did say that his trainer actually tells him to fall when he gets hit just because – The dude's so big. If he doesn't fall and has that impact, it'll be impact in his knees and other places that you don't want as a basketball player. So they do want him to fall, but he's so dramatic. And I saw that at the game because we were pretty low and I haven't been that low in a really long time at the Sixers game. I was like, this dude could win an Oscar right now. It's a foul, but this dude's really playing it all very, very well. But Hey, it's Joel Embiid. He's dramatic in all the best ways possible. He's one of my favorite players to ever play the game of basketball. So you look at this guy and you say, hey, if that's the one thing we don't like about him and he's a double-double every time he goes out on the court and he wants to lead us to an NBA championship, I'm okay with that, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, emphasis on leading us to an NBA championship. That would mm-hmm. be that would be awesome. Well, Kayla, I appreciate your time. Guys, like we said, we're going to try to bring Kayla on every Wednesday to talk a little Sixers. So if you like Kayla's insights, go ahead, hit that like button. Kayla, I will see you on Monday night down at Atlantic City for the Eagles pregame.
3: Yeah, I'm excited. I miss you guys. It feels like an eternity we haven't uh, done Eagles for pregame, halftime, or postgame, so I'm ready to be back at it.
1: Yeah, and we got a big one on Monday, so appreciate it, Kayla. Have a great week.
3: Thank you so much. You too.
1: Love when Kayla joins the show, guys. Yeah, we're going to try to keep bringing her on every week because, as you could tell, she really knows her Sixers, love her insights. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll focus on a little bit more about the Philadelphia Eagles and this Kansas City Chiefs, so stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: a single game by going 5 for 5. It's a fantasy game and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com when you sign up use the promo code WIN and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com use the promo code WIN.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. Appreciate all you guys here. I see it in the chat. I love the engagement. Love it. Keep it coming. Just finished our segment with Kayla Santiago. Really love talking Sixers with her. She knows her stuff. But a big game for the Sixers tonight against the Boston Celtics. Let's hope they can get back into the winning column. Don't want to start a losing streak after going eight wins in a row. So big game tonight. We'll have to tune in for that. I know we got some Flyers fans in the chat. We got a Flyers game tonight in Carolina. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. And tomorrow we'll be joined by Mark Farzetta like we are usually every Thursday. Had to switch it up last week. But Farzzi will be joining us tomorrow. We'll talk some Sixers and some Eagles. But let's switch gears away from the Sixers and talk about our Philadelphia Eagles. Some news. They activated the 21-day practice window for safety Justin Evans. So Justin Evans, if you remember, was actually our starter at safety to start the season along with Reed Blankenship. He went out, went on IR. Since then, they've brought in Kevin Byard. So curious to see how they use Justin Evans when he does come back from injury, if he gets any playing time on that field. He didn't play bad. He didn't play badly when he had opportunities, but you know we'll see. His issue, his entire career has just been he can't stay healthy. He was drafted in the Tampa Bay Bucs organization. Had a pretty good promising rookie year, but couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't stay healthy. So we'll see what he does. It'll be interesting this week to see what the Eagles do at safety and if they line up Kevin Byard across from Travis Kelsey. I heard something interesting yesterday that when the Philadelphia Eagles made the trade for Kevin Byard, Travis Kelsey told his brother Jason on the New Heights podcast that he guards him better than anybody. So we'll see. Was that just uh, some really, really detailed chess maneuvers by Travis Kelsey because he wants Kevin Byard to guard him on Monday night? I don't know, but he did say that. So we'll see if Byard is on top of Kelsey in this game. But I think we talked about it yesterday. You got to put more than one guy on Travis Kelsey on Monday night. But we were talking a little bit about Jalen Hurts before we brought Kayla on. And I was saying that I think he is, in fact, elite already. Shakir in the chat said, you know, he's trending there. I think he is already there. And just listen to some of these stats. I just did a video on my Instagram at Legal Hands to the Face. And basically, the video was three things that Jalen Hurts has already done in his career that Patrick Mahomes has never done. And trust me, Patrick Mahomes is great. Don't get me wrong. That's not what the video was meant to show. It was just trying to put into perspective how good Jalen Hurts has been over the last two seasons. And just look at some of the names that are in his company. Jalen Hurts is one of only seven quarterbacks to lead his team to -to back-to-back 8-1 and starts. Patrick Mahomes has never led the Chiefs to back-to-back eight and one starts, but Jalen Hurts has done it. And you look at the names of the other six quarterbacks who have been able to do that in their careers: Peyton Manning, John Elway, Troy Aikman, Jim Kelly, Roger Stallback, and Burt Jones. And now Jalen Hurts. Let's look at another one. You've heard me mention it a few times. Jalen Hurts has won 25. Out of his last 27 regular season starts, there are only five quarterbacks, and one of them is named Jalen Hurts, to ever win 25 out of 27 regular season games. The other four, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Jim McMahon, and Joe Montana, and now Jalen Hurts. And there's another one. Jalen Hurts is one of only three quarterbacks in NFL history to win 12 straight games against teams with winning records. The other two, Peyton Manning and Vinny Testaverdi. You look at what Jalen Hurts has been able to do for two seasons now, and you cannot sit there and say that this guy is not one of the elite Quarterbacks in this league. And we could go up and down the statistics, and you could look at his passing yards and his touchdowns and his rushing yards and his rushing touchdowns, what he does on the tush push or brotherly shove play. But what I think really separates Jalen Hurts as an elite quarterback is not everything he does on the field, but everything he does off of it as well. This guy is a great leader. And I can't remember if it was on this show or my legal hands to the face show where we were talking about Tom Brady. And that what made Tom Brady the goat wasn't just what he did on the field, but the leader he was off of it and how he demanded excellence from the players around him. And Jalen Hurts does the same thing, a little bit differently. A little bit differently. In fact, I did a video in the offseason. and Sue was interviewed and asked about the similarities between Jalen and Tom Brady. And he talked about their leadership. And he talked about how they both did it in a different way. Brady was a lot more vocal. Jalen is a lot more lead by example. But they both get the same result. And that is the best from their teammates around them. So. Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback, and I can't wait for the day that he's holding up that Lombardi trophy because he will, he will win this team a Super Bowl in his career because he's that damn good. Man, love Jalen Hurts. But I see you guys in the chat. Appreciate all you being here. At New Jersey Fishing Maniac. Hertz is the man of the future here in Philly, barring an injury. I think he's the man of the current and the future. Dank Kelly Green Burrito. Jalen works hard because if he's not working hard, then he can't truly set the standard. Yeah. He leads by example. So. Love Jalen Hurts. Definitely consider him as an elite quarterback. No doubt about it. But let's take a quick look like we end every show on Today in Sports History. And like I've told you, it's not always easy to find stuff that happened today in sports history. But on November 15th, 1946, Ted Williams won the American League MVP. And Ted Williams, one of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game, nicknamed the kid, highest batting average of any player in the live ball era, highest base percentage on base percentage of all time, played till he was 42 years old, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1966, 19-time All-Star. Two-time recipient of the American League Most Valuable Player. Six-time American League Batting Champion. Two-time Triple Crown winner. One of the best to ever do it. But on this day in 1946, he won the American League MVP. But guys, I appreciate you all. Big game tonight for our 76ers going up against the Boston Celtics. Let's hope they can get back on the winning train. Go ahead and hit that like button for me. Really do appreciate it. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We'll talk some Sixers. We'll be joined by Mark Farzetta to talk a little Sixers, a little Eagles, and we will continue to preview the Philadelphia Eagles-Kansas City Chiefs matchup on Monday night because it is a big one for both teams and really going to hopefully put this team in the right direction to solidify that number one seed. So hit that like button. Head on over when we finish the show to Instagram and Twitter. Give me a follow at Legal Hands to the Face at Bill Calarulo. And we'll be back here tomorrow, 10 o'clock. As always, guys, go
0: birds. Go for the poles and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly.